0: Good morning so good to have you with us this morning to those you don't know me my name is pastor Brandon I'm one of the pastors here at the Rock Church Uh, welcome to those who are tuning in online it is so good to have you with us Uh, just to give a short introduction to our talk today Dallas already hinted on it a little bit but we're talking about the topic of pouring pouring We've been going through this red letter challenge the last few weeks and it's a 40 day challenge taking the words of Jesus in the scriptures and actually putting them into practice. And this is uh, the challenge extended and we're going to be taking a look at the life of Mary and how she poured out herself to the king of Kings. So this is kind of an extension of that. So I just want to open this up with a question for ourselves. What is the first thing you think about when you hear the word pouring? For me, someone said water, I heard water. For me, it is a lovely cup of coffee in the morning. Yes, I love my coffee. It is great. Uh, Probably for you, it's something else. But I just want to start this time that maybe that that thing you're pouring yourself into is a hobby you're doing. Maybe it's something you do in the evenings. It's a book you're reading. Whatever it is, I believe we are constantly pouring of ourselves, giving of ourselves, day by day, throughout the week, throughout the month. Sometimes it's, it's a good thing that we're pouring ourselves into, and sometimes it's a bad thing. So I just want to share, before I go into my sermon, a personal story of myself, of an example of where I was pouring myself out into something that was good, but it became almost an obsession or an addiction. So I grew up in a reservation, northwest of here, about an hour and a half. It's called Taku First Nation. I was very fortunate enough that I was living right beside a lake. It was about 200 meters away from my home. And I loved fishing. I absolutely love fishing. If you know me well, I could probably do it for hours if you let me. Uh, So I had a fishing rod. I'd fish from shore all the time. And that summer I got a summer job. And I I was so fortunate that I had money in the bank so what did i do i upgraded i got a kayak so i was fishing from my kayak and my lake was full of pike pickerel you name it any type of most of the types of fish in saskatchewan my lake and i'd spend hours just hours just thinking about it dreaming about it even and uh so i'd work my summer job as a push mower and just driving around and just waiting excited to get on that water and just fish for hours One one particular evening, I was rushing to get all my gear ready, my fishing rod, my fishing hooks, getting everything in order, getting it on my SUV and getting out to the lake. My pastor, my mentor, my friend, uh, father figure Alex was uh, he he noticed me rushing through this process to get out in the water and he he made this little this little challenge that I've never forgotten to his day and he said, Brandon, be careful and at the time i was a teenager i was like "Oh, whatever you're you're an older person and that's your opinion i this is not a bad thing i'm doing and uh that that evening i went out on water and i caught no fish and i'm not saying that my pastor's word gave bad luck to me but it seems like it was bad luck at the time um but it kind of hit me later on that he was challenging me that I was pouring myself out into this this what is a good thing, but it almost became an addiction. So I just want to challenge us as we go throughout this sermon together. I want to challenge you individually, all of us in this room. Where are you pouring yourself? Where are you giving yourself over to -to day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month? What about us? Just ponder that as we go through this sermon together. Throughout this sermon, uh, we're going to be touching on John chapter 12, verse 1 to 8. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there with me. If you don't, that's okay. But before we go into that text, I just want to give a, a brief outline of where, where we're going to go today. So I, w- I just want to highlight uh, a couple of verses in this, the context of what's going on in the scripture. And before I do that, I want to highlight one person that really stood out. We just saw the video of a woman playing the act as Mary. And this is Mary, uh, the brother or the sister of Lazarus and Martha. It is not Mary, the mother of Jesus, just so you're clear on that. Mary was a common name back then. So, and I want to I wanna draw out three points from Mary's life where she was pouring herself out to Jesus, figuratively, so to speak. So without further ado, let's go to our text together. Uh, we can read it together if you're, if you're comfortable. You can read with me. John chapter 12, verse 1 to 8. So let's read it together. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected, Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that you save this perfume from the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. <coughs> so I want to highlight a few things before we go into our points here. Uh, verse one, it mentions Jesus. Uh, it talks about Jesus a few days before his crucifixion, before his death, and his re- few days after his resurrection. I find it interesting here that the passover is mentioned to those who don't know the passover was a jewish celebration and remembering the the liberation of the people of israel from this being bondage to egypt so they remember this little did they know that jesus was coming to save them from a deeper bondage and that was the bondage to sin and death so we have here jesus the. A house here we don't know whose house it is if we look at other texts it says Simon the leper's house and that's Matthew 26 verse 6 and mark 14 verse 3 he's in this house in Bethany a few miles from Jerusalem it's quite significant it mentions there Simon the leper for those of you who don't know leprosy is a disease that slowly eats away your nerve endings and you lose touch In that time in Jewish context it was seen as something you were unclean you couldn't be around people. You had to be six feet away from people if you had this disease. No one could touch you. So this man this, this man with leprosy, it says Simon the leper, but I wonder if Jesus healed him. Most likely he did because Jesus went around performing miracles. So he healed this man who had formerly, formerly had leprosy, and now he's in his home. This man is able to come home, be in the presence of Jesus, be with his friends, his family verse one tells us that Lazarus is there as well. Lazarus obviously being the one that was raised from the dead by Jesus himself. He was four days in the tomb. If you read in John 11, he was dead for four days. Jesus came and changed that. And I just wonder sometimes if that's us today. Do we walk around with the stench of death in us in ourselves? Do we have a spirit that's life giving that's pouring into others? Or are we dry and dead inside? And fortunately for us, and fortunately for Lazarus, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And so to speak, the Lord raises people today spiritually dead, gives them spiritual life, exchanges their heart of stone for a heart of flesh. God still does that today. Verse 2 and 3 tells us that Mary and Martha are there. These are the siblings of Lazarus. These, back in that society, in that culture, women didn't have a really high status in society. They weren't seen as equal as men. And that's just the world that we're diving into. So these women are part of this group, yet they have this low status, and yet they are with Christ. It doesn't say specifically here, but the disciples were probably most likely there. The disciples, the the 12 that are following Jesus, many of which were... They failed Jewish school, they they resulted in trades that were lowly, and yet they're there with Jesus. So I just I just imagine this beautiful picture. Jesus is with their Simon the leper. He's with a man who is dead and is now alive. He's with women who had low status and he's with the twelve who failed at their their other lifestyles and had to result to low trades. I just love this example that this is the gospel. Jesus is for everyone. Despite where you come from, despite what background you have, what cultural or whatever, socioeconomic status, Jesus is for everyone. And I can just imagine the Jewish leaders in that day, They're they're getting mad, they're scuffing at Jesus for doing this because he's sitting down with these people, he's identifying, this is my crew. And Jesus says, I've not come to call righteous but sinners to repentance. One person in this room that really stands out in this amazing, amazing act of worship and adoration and sacrifice, she comes out out of the few, out of that supper they're having together, and her name's Mary. So I just wanna pour, uh, I wanna talk about three points from Mary's life where she was pouring out figuratively. So the first point I want to pour out is uh, point out is um, Mary poured out in adoration and learning if you're following along with your notes that's the first point (coughs) so Luke chapter 10 verse 39 it reads that Mary she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to his teaching I won't go into Luke 10 Uh, verse 38 to 42, I'll read the full context just for the sake of time, but I'll summarize it. We have Martha in this text, who's very busy serving, getting all things ready for Jesus in the table, serving all those at the table. Then we have Mary sitting there at the Lord's feet, listening to his teaching. Martha becomes upset. She's like, Jesus, get my sister to help me. Why? Why are you letting me serve alone? jesus doesn't doesn't get upset or jesus says this amazing profound statement he's like martha martha shut up (laughs) no i'm just kidding i'm kidding wow i was just kidding Can you imagine jesus maybe he like i was talking to someone after service first service and jesus probably was kind of frustrated at some points with his disciples and followers of him but can you imagine jesus saying that that'd be crazy but Anyways, that's not what he says. So don't quote me on that and say the Rock Church has done this thing. Jesus says to her. Martha, Martha. You're anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed and that is the good portion. Mary has chosen what is good to sit at my feet and learn and adore me. You would, you would expect Jesus to respond differently, ex- taking in mind the culture at the time, like, Mary, go serve with your sister. Let the men be here. But he doesn't do that. So sub-point to that, how many of us get distracted about things we do for Jesus? What can we do about that? We can learn to recognize where we are pouring ourselves. There are many things that pull us from side to side that require of us to pour into. We can learn to recognize these things and prioritize what is important, what's truly important at the end of the day. And I wonder if some of us in this room could identify with Martha. And maybe some of you in this room could identify with Mary. Martha being anxious and troubled about many things, doing what she can to serve the Lord while Mary sitting at his feet, adoring him, listening to his teaching. So just a personal question, like who do you identify with today? Are you anxious and troubled about many things or are you sitting at the Lord's feet, just adoring him day by day throughout the day? I often wonder like I I do find that for myself where I begin pouring myself into things doing for Jesus rather than being with Jesus. So what is one thing we can do that we can pour out to Jesus? Remember to pour ourselves out before Jesus regularly. Again, like I said, that's a challenge for me at times. I am fortunate enough to work here at the Rock Church and I serve on the staff and I can become very, very quickly. Filling my list of things I'm doing for God. And over here, decreasing my time with Jesus. Sitting at his feet, adoring him, learning from him, reading his word. Something that I've been doing practically, and this is probably something you could take for yourself, but usually I'm pretty good at adoring and reading and spending time in the word with the Lord regularly in the mornings. Something I've been doing recently is Concluding my day, and maybe many of you do this already and you're prayer warriors, and that's awesome. But for me, it's a challenge in the area of prayer. So I'm challenging myself in this area where at the end of the day, five or 10 minutes, I just set a timer on my phone and I just reflect on my day. I sit at his feet and I just praise him. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for my health. Thank you for everything you've given me. Thank you for my wife. Maybe that's something practically you can do. Second point, Mary poured out and complete surrender and need. John eleven thirty two. In the chapter leading up to Jesus and Mary having this interaction, this rich interaction, Mary's brother just passed away, Lazarus. She's weeping and struggling with grief and despair and depression and all that encompasses losing a loved one. But what I find amazing here in John 11:32 even before Jesus raises her raises her brother from the dead Mary comes at his feet. She comes and kneels at his feet. I just find that so profound and amazing. Despite losing her brother, despite battling with grief, depression, anger, all those things that encompass grief and loss, she's in surrender. She's in complete surrender before Jesus. Why? Because she knows she needs him, despite her loss. Reading from the text, when Mary reached the place where Jesus saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you've been here, my brother would not have died. You would think that Mary, if you read a few verses earlier in that, you would think that Mary would be upset with Jesus, especially considering that before he was ill and he was dying, she reached out to him saying, come, Lord, come heal my brother. Yet the scriptures say that he stayed back. I find that interesting. I know when grief and hardship happens to me, just being honest and real with you guys, one of the last things I want to do is kneel at the feet of Jesus. That's one of the last things I want to do. And that's something that I'm being challenged in in my own life. And what about you? Maybe you are in a season of grief and loss and anger, and maybe you are in a valley. Last week, Brianna shared with us um, scripture about being, fire, being in the fire and the darkness. Maybe you are still going through fire. Maybe you are in a dark valley. Bri- Brianna challenged us last week that God is with us in the fire, in the darkness. He is with us through it all. Mary, despite her loss and her grief and her sadness, knew that Jesus was there, despite everything that was happening. So second sub point, pour out to him, pour out to him even though we are in fire and darkness. I love Jesus' response to seeing Mary in this fragile, broken state and probably one of the most shortest verses in the bible if you're a person who struggles with scripture memorization this is a good one to remember it's only two words it's jesus wept jesus cried john 11:35 so if you're a person who struggles with scripture memorization remember those two words john 11:35 jesus wept it's a good one to remember such a short verse but it it captures something amazing about Jesus he feels for their situation and even today he feels for your situation whatever you're going through whatever valley whatever darkness you're in he knows your situation turn to him today a lot of us know how the story ends obviously in John chapter 12 as we read Lazarus is raised from the dead which is amazing, which leads us to our final point. Point number three, Mary poured out in worship and love. Verse three, Mary comes and brings us half liter of pure nard, an expensive perfume. This perfume was often used in that culture for, for anointing or smelling good or they would use little, little parts of it we're not really sure where Mary got this perfume from but we do know that it was very expensive she may have been saving it for or maybe she bought it for herself and was saving it for her family's burials or maybe it was given to her by someone all we know that it was stashed away it was put away but then Mary brought it out for another reason she recognized Jesus as worthy of it all she decided to do something else with it so she pours it on Jesus's feet it was a common jewish practice in that day and time to wash each other's feet it was a common practice to wash the feet of your guests as they entered your home if you can think back 2000 years ago in ancient palestine there was no hardly any paved roads or whatever they didn't have the, they didn't have the luxury of our shoes, they had, they had sandals most likely. So you can just imagine their feet just getting gross and dirty over time. So they would have this, this, this hospitality, this way to show hospitality to their guests that they would wash their feet as they entered the home. And this was often done even by slaves in the home. So slaves were, would wash their feet. It was a polite gesture, it was often expected for a lot of our Canadian culture, it's, it's exactly the same, where we expect people to take off their shoes. I mean, we don't, we don't wash each other's feet in our culture, but we expect people to take off their shoes at the door. But for American culture, it's a little, some American culture, it's different, where they leave their shoes on as they enter the home. In Korean culture, it's quite significant where they let, they have this line of shoes, they block the entrance of the, the door so that you know to take off your shoes. Obviously, because shoes can track in dirt and grime and make a mess in the home. It's quite profound here that Mary is pouring out this perfume. She's not using water. She's using very costly perfume. And she's taking an act as a slave. And I just find that beautiful. A slave to Jesus. Not only anointing her... his feet but also wiping it with her hair it was very uncommon for jewish women in that time to walk in public with their hair out and, and about they would wear hair head covering just it was kind of a sign of uh respect yet she lets her hair down in front of everybody she didn't care she didn't care what everyone else thought about her she just wanted to pour out this love offering before Jesus and she put herself out there in front of everyone as she poured this costly sacrifice the oil just filled the fragrance and the oil filled the room and it just smelled so good and she didn't care sub point pour your all eat into Jesus even when others even when it is costly I love Jesus's response to her pouring this out before her. He doesn't say stop. Oh, Mary, just pour a little bit on my feet. Let's save it. Let's spend it on the ministry, or let's save it and give to the poor. No, he he accepts this costly sacrifice of worship. And other gospel on the other gospel accounts, uh, we can see in Judas Iscariot, he sharply criticizes her. Criticizes her. In other accounts of the same story, the disciples are also there criticizing her. And I can just imagine the room probably all criticizing her, like, why this waste? Why wasn't this given to the poor? Why wasn't this sold for a year's wage? So to put in perspective for us today, to give you an idea of Saskatchewan currency and how much the average Saskatchewan Knight makes in a year. I am not a mathematician, just so you know, so all you mathematicians out there, like, be nice to me. I'm a pastor, it's not my gift. So in Saskatchewan's currency, the average Canadian or average Saskatchewan Knight makes about $90,000 a year. After taxes, it's about $75,000. So just put that in perspective. Mary poured out $75,000 worth on Jesus' feet. The lowest part of him. And many in this room would probably question the same thing. Why this waste? Why wasn't this used for some other means? Guess what? Jesus didn't see it as a waste. That's what will happen if we're pouring our everything before Christ. And this is so unfortunate, but this happens a lot in the world around us. Those who are not followers of Jesus, they will look at us and they will say, why this waste? Why are you giving yourself over to the church? Why are you giving yourself over to Jesus? And like the disciples in this text, followers of Jesus, unfortunately, that will come from people who follow Jesus as well. Others will criticize us for our costly giving of ourselves back to Jesus. Subpoint pour it all before Jesus, despite others around you. Jesus gladly accepted this sacrifice. Not only that, but he tells the people to stop criticizing her, leave her alone. Matthew 26 verse 10 of the same story he says she's done a good thing for me leave her alone not only has she done a good thing for me but wherever the gospel is preached this will be told in remembrance of her that's amazing as far as I can read from the scriptures Jesus has never said that about anyone in my reading my own personal reading Yet he says it about Mary. Why? What made Mary so special? Because she poured it all out before Jesus in surrender, in love, in learning, in sacrifice. She wasn't afraid to step out of the crowd and go to Jesus and give him everything, despite others around her. I want to share a personal story from my own life. Um, so I, I'm happily married. I've been married for three and a half years. Um, my wife's not here, so I, don't have, I can't embarrass her again. Um, but uh, I want to share a personal story that for our wedding ceremony, my wife Jessica and I, we, um, we decided to do something a little different in terms of uh, our ceremony or our practice just to incorporate or capture something that was personal for us. And um, yeah, I, I don't share this story to lift myself up and be like, Oh, look, look at me, I did this at my wedding. I don't share that with that intent. I just want to share a personal side of my wedding ceremony that was very special to the two of us. So uh, we decided to wash each other's feet as part of our ceremony. And we can go ahead and share the picture of that So we washed each other's feet as an act of adoration and love and commitment to one another, that I was pouring myself out to to Jessica, my wife, that I was gonna love her, I was gonna serve her, and I was gonna love the lowest parts of her, and I was gonna serve her willingly like this throughout my life, I was making that commitment. You can go to the other picture just so it's not, my wife also washed my feet. It's not just one-sided, so those of you pursuing marriage or thinking about marriage it's two sides so keep that in mind but we did this and it's an act of reverence and love for one another and it just makes me think how about us how about you how can you pour out to Jesus today what is in your vessel to give your gifts your abilities your time, volunteering your heart. How can you wash the feet of Jesus today? Jessica, you can come on up. I find it amazing here that in all three accounts that I just went through, all three points, Luke 10:39, John 11:32, John 12:3, Jesus is at the feet of Jesus, Mary's at the feet of Jesus. She's sitting in adoration and love, learning from him. She's kneeling in surrender and she's giving of herself costly. And I wonder in that time of her life, Mary here, I wonder if there was a progression. I wonder if she came to this realization that yes, Jesus is worth it all. He's worthy of my everything. He's worthy of all my surrender, all my worship, all my adoration. In this pouring of this costly perfume, Mary was figuratively preparing Jesus for his death. It was common in that practice in that day to anoint someone as they passed away. It was a part of the Jewish ceremony. Jesus is going to be heading to the cross here soon, just a few days, and he's going to be crucified. This made me think of the season we're in right now. We are just a few weeks away from Easter, which remembers about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and how he poured out himself. To all humanity so that they come may come to know him as their Lord and as their Savior. So as we approach Easter, how can you pour out to Jesus? What can you give to Jesus? What's in your jar to give? Let's be like Mary in this text. Give until it's costly. Brandon, I understand what you're saying. But that is costly welcome to the gospel following jesus is costly it costs us something be extreme in your love for jesus your adoration for him more extreme even despite other people's criticism and their comments about you Jesus finds it absolutely beautiful when we're doing that. Give your all to Jesus. He's worth it. There's no greater thing we can give our lives to. Just talking about myself and not saying this to guilt trip us, but there's many things in my life where I'm pouring myself. It doesn't really matter. There's no greater things to pour our lives into other than Christ and Christ alone. So how can we do that today, church? How can we do that this week in our workplaces, our homes, our communities? Jesus is giving that invitation for you today. What can you give to him? What can you pour out before him? If it's just your life, it's absolutely beautiful to him surrender it all to him give it all to him today he is far worthy above everything else he is the king of kings and the lord of lords so i urge you as we go into this time of worship just ponder that what can i give to you today jesus what can i wash your feet with today so let's do that together